0: Well, my name is James Baird, and I'm the associate pastor for Family Ministries. And if this is your first time here today, I, people say, he always says that it's a great Sunday. But it is a great Sunday today. Because today we are talking about discipleship. We're talking about what it means to be a disciple of someone else, or maybe to disciple another person. And then also, what would it be like to be discipled by God himself? This is what it means. And then I was weeping. I always cry when I'm angry. And she said, why are you crying? It's only orphan. Jeez. The baby box is South Korea's first and only box to collect abandoned infants. Hundreds of unwanted babies are abandoned on the streets of Seoul, South Korea every year. The tragic loss of life moved a pastor to set up a way for saving unwanted babies. There 속에서 버려진 in the danger of being in danger. There were children in the distance. So now, baby box And why is it Shirève Ar.? She answered it in 5 different kinds. She said, do not disturb her. 엄마의 the 엄마의 the 죄송합니다. 정말로 죄송합니다. 누구야? 개끼리. 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 영어 이름은? 네. 빅토리. 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 그래서 그 아이들이 이 세상에 필요 없는 존재들이 아니고. about children, it makes such a difference. They're just human, beings, just like anyone else. They have the right to live. <sucking> this is a problem Korea. A... Honestly, there are the the are But these children, they're helpless, they're voiceless. Who's going to speak for them? i going to them. The USC student who made that film became a Christian in the process. It's a pretty amazing testimony. And the image that God gives us today through the prophet Isaiah is that of God taking us by the hand and showing us how to do what it is God calls us to do. Listen to the words of Scripture in Isaiah 42, 1 through 9. They'll be up here on the screen. Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen in whom my soul delights, I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break. and a dimly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not grow faint or be crushed until he has established justice in all of the earth and the coastlands. Wait! For his teaching. Thus says God the Lord, who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and what comes from it, who gives breath to the people upon it, and spirit to those who walk in it. I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I have taken you by the hand and kept you. I have given you as a covenant to the people. And a light to the nations to open the eyes that are blind. To bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison, those who sit in darkness. I am the Lord. That is my name. My glory I give to no other, nor my praise to idols. See, the former things have come to pass And new things I now declare. Before they spring forth, I tell you of them. Thanks be to God. This is the word of the Lord. Freedom is so important to God. And any time that someone is imprisoned or a captive in some way in this world, that's not what God wants for them. God wants them to live in another way. So we say that that is against the will of God when someone is a prisoner In any way. And the image that we have been given in this passage. Of the person who is imprisoned. Is the person who is waiting in darkness. That image has been so compelling for me in my ministry. That I've found that remembering the person who is waiting in darkness. Has transformed the way that I think. And the way that I act. And the way that I behave. And that's in part because. I have been at times the person in the darkness, waiting. I remember all too well what it's like to live in a dark place. Now, a couple of years ago, I had the pleasure and honor of meeting Gary Haugen, who's the president and founder of IJM, which is called International Justice Mission. He used to work for the State Department and he flew all over the world uh, as a litigator. And he would investigate whether, in fact, there was genocide that had taken place during a previous war. And then he gave up his job instead of to find out the atrocities that had taken place to go ahead and be preventative. And to address the atrocities that were taking place. And he started this, this ministry this Christian ministry called IJM, or International Justice Mission, and his organization goes to countries all over the world and finds people who were enslaved in different ways. And an example of this is the thousands of people that they have liberated from slavery who were sold into sex slavery. So that means that they were sold literally to a brothel in another country and they were forced to work as slaves, as sex slaves for other people. And his company decided to litigate against the people who were customers, of that, or the customers of that brothel. And many of them Americans who would travel from this country to those, to those countries and that they would, um, there would oftentimes be underage people involved and he would litigate and he would use the justice system of the other country to, as leverage and he would use his connections and he would use his experience and his talents and he had all of these things coming together and right now he has liberated so many people from slavery In fact, the Gates Foundation has given him a grant of $2 million, and he used that money in order to reduce the sex slavery that was taking place in the Philippines by 80%. Amazing. And then, one day, they found a woman, a young woman, who was 16 years old. Her name was Elizabeth. And she was part of a brothel. She had grown up uh, on a family farm in Southeast Asia. She dreamt of going to Bible school. She was a top student, but her family ran into hard times. So she had to travel um, to try to earn money. And she was told that this was kind of like a, an immigrant work group so that they would travel to another country, earn money, and come back. But she wasn't told what it would be for. And so she was sold into this. She was captured and, and made to enforce prostitution. And so his company somehow came in contact with the brothel that she was a prisoner of. And they liberated all the people from this brothel using the justice system and the police of that area. And when they went to her room, which is her dark place where she went to spend time alone, they found written, and it was room number five, they found written on the walls of this passage that she had written on the walls. Not that one, but that one. The Lord is my light and salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evil men devour my flesh, when my enemies and foes attack me, they will stumble and they will fall. That's where Gary Haugen, who knew that God was calling him to do this ministry, realized that this was the person waiting in darkness that he knew that God was calling him to reach out to, to be part, to take part and share in the journey of rescuing this person from her darkness. I'd like to ask you what are you doing with your talents and your skills? What are you doing with your connections and your ideas in order to help bring about God's kingdom, in order to help rescue someone from the darkness? How are you helping to break open the prison doors for someone in this world? And when we talk about God's kingdom what we mean is a place where the light shines into the darkness and the darkness does not overcome it. And where people do not live as captives to sin and to the world or to anybody or anything. And as you contemplate how God is calling you to step out in a new way, there's some things that this text can teach us about how to begin and how to continue the work of justice that God does. Truthfully, there are many people who are working for justice in this world, who are working for good causes in this world. And they do good things, but the reality is that as they work for the good causes, they leave a wake of destruction behind them. Washington is full of these people. Washington is full of people who are all about their good cause. And as a result, they're willing to step on every other good cause On the process, and to step on every other person in the process. And as a result, they're doing something good in the world, but they're doing something good at the expense of so many other good things. And if they were really to look back on the work that they've done in their life, they'll realize that they've left a bigger wake of destruction than they have in terms of leaving good or God's kingdom behind them. Note what scripture tells us about God's character and the way that Jesus um, taught us to move in the world. It says, a bruised reed he will not make and a dimmed wick he will not extinguish. See, God's justice is something that comes about as a result of sensitive and continued careful work for God in this world. There's a way to work with, and for, with God and for the people around us and to transform this world for God without leaving such a big wake of destruction behind us. Cooking is a good example of this. My brother Graham is one of the best cooks you will ever see. And this is what the table looks like when he cooks. I mean, he would be 16 years old and he would set up the table and it was the best dinner that you ever had in your life. I mean, it was like you had a little piece of heaven right there in the room. You walked in and you felt, wow, if God's kingdom is like anything, it would be like this dinner table. What an incredible experience. And then we would have this great conversation and this great time, and it was really one of the best things of your entire week when you had dinner that Graham prepared. But then you walked into the kitchen and it looked like this. (laughs) He's gotten a little better, but I'm not kidding. It was so bad. Thousands of pots and pans, food all over the place. And it kind of left you with a feeling that more damage had been done than good <laughs> as a result of this dinner. And so anytime, and also the budgets were pretty slammed too. <laughs> so anytime Graham said, hey, why don't, why don't I cook dinner? We said, no, 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 it's okay. We'd rather cook dinner, it's okay. But we can learn from that and he's learned and his meals have gotten much better <laughs> maybe because it's his kitchen now. But whether you're working in corporate America or you're working in a legal system or maybe you're working in the finance sector or nonprofit and you're trying to bring about good in the world it's good to ask yourself if the little piece of heaven that you're trying to obtain comes at too high of a cost to the people around you, to the poor people in this world, to your family, to your colleagues, to your neighbors, to people in other countries, for example. Now, years ago, I was asked to go on a mission trip. And it was to the West Indies, which is the Caribbean. And as good as it sounded, I wasn't sure I was up for the task. They said, you are going to go to a conference and you are going to be the youth representative for Presbyterian Church USA representing 10,000 churches at a conference for the World Alliance of Reformed Churches. So all the churches, church leaders in the world would send one representative and we'd have a big conversation about what the future of church would look like or something like that. I wasn't interested. It wasn't up my alley. It wasn't something that I would be able to do. And then I remember some of my friends saying, you should really do this. Because All you need is God to lead you through this process. It's going to be a difficult, challenging journey, but if you just let God take you by the hand, just like this text tells us, let God take you by the hand, then it'll be okay. So I said a prayer. I said, God, will you please take me by the hand through this process and I'll do it. And then I got to the Caribbean and I remember driving through this ghetto and it was clearly a dark place. You could smell it. You could see it. There was darkness all around me and I was starting to kind of crowd into my heart and I was feeling the darkness and that's when I said Lord please take me by the hand and then I got to the conference, conference facilities and it's like I'd found a little piece of heaven there it was safe, it had walls, it had barbed wire I, I felt like I could sleep at night there was a hammock there was a palm tree that's a pretty good conference if you ask me Then we started to talk, and and one of the things that they had planned for us was a field trip. And I thought, that sounded like a good good idea, a field trip in the Caribbean. But this field trip, they said, would be to a youth prison. And it was kind of older boys, older men, so teenage, late teens. And so they took us to this, they said they were going to go to this youth prison, and they said, hey, I was kind of checking out. This is not my alley. Sounds good. I'll hang out. And they said, you know, we're going to need someone to talk to all of the prisoners. And they said, James should do it. (laughs) I said, are you kidding me? I've never spoken in front of really groups of people like that before in my life. And they said, look, it's okay. And I said, I have nothing to say to these guys who are in youth prison. I I have no way to connect to them. No way that, that, that they could relate to me in any way. And they said, no, just let God take you by the hand. And you can do this. And so then I kind of did some chicken scratch on a piece of paper. And I wrote it down. And then I went there. And I said a prayer, Lord, help me through. Just take me by the hand. And then I got up in front of the group. And it did look like the previous picture. It looked just like that, except bigger. I saw this picture and I thought, no, that's not close. It's about twice that. And I got up in front of them. And I thought, how, Lord... Are you going to lead me to be able to communicate your love to them? And then I remembered. I said to them, we live very different lives, but there was a point in my life when I was getting such bad grades in high school that my parents shipped me off to school, shipped me hundreds of miles away so that I could improve my grades. And I remember living there, and I moved there, and... Everything was fine until the nighttime, when the lights would go off, and I was in my bunk with my bunkmate below me, and I would feel so alone and so far from home, and I would feel like the darkness was creeping in on my heart and my mind. And I told them that that's when I did something that I've really never done so much in my life before. I started to pray. And I told them that I would pray about the darkness and I would pray that God would help me in this time of loneliness and that God would reach into my heart and somehow shine His light into my darkness so that somehow some good could come of all of this. And then I looked up from my notes and I saw some of their faces change because I realized that they too were far away from home. That they too were in their bunks at night. And I told them, you know, I know know you have a lot of peer pressure around here. It's got to be the same situation I was in, in sense of, it's probably not that cool to tell your friends that you're talking to God. But I said, when the lights are off, and you're in your bunk, and you're feeling alone, what have you got to lose? No one's going to know. Give it a shot. I feel like something happened that day in their hearts but I can promise you something happened in my heart when I discovered that for all of us it's the same darkness. That when the lights are off, we're dealing with the same darkness. And that Jesus Christ can shine into that darkness and He can transform the whole entire world and bring about peace on the face of this earth like no one has ever seen before. See, letting God lead me by the hand was the best thing I ever did in that situation. Now today, I want to throw it out there. How are you going to let God lead you by the hand? Are you going to go on one of the mission trips this year? I'll bet that would take you for a loop, right? (laughs) I'll bet that would kind of surprise you if if you felt that God was maybe calling you on one of the mission trips. We're going to have a general interest meeting for the Costa Rica mission trip. Maybe this is something your whole family could go on. Don't let price be a, be, a in, be get in the way, because there's ways to raise funds for mission trips. There's people who want you to want to support you and, and want to be God's hand in your life to help you respond to God's call in your life. So there's a Costa Rica mission trip. There's a Malawi mission trip this year. Maybe your way of bringing light into someone's dark world is by just bringing groceries every every month or even every Sunday to worship, knowing that you're bringing the light of Jesus Christ into a dark place in this city. Or maybe you're going to start picking up someone from church, picking up someone on the way to church, someone who doesn't have a ride to church every Sunday, someone who right now might be sitting in a dark place because they lost their license because they've gotten older and We have lots of people like that who would love a ride to church on Sunday. Maybe that's the way in which you're going to help rescue someone from the darkness. Or maybe you're going to start serving as a leader in our junior high ministry or in our high school ministry. And maybe you're thinking, that's just too big a challenge for me. And the thing that I would throw out for whatever it is, is that you should let God take you by the hand and guide you and disciple you. And walk with you through that process. The point is that God has given us an incredible adventure in this world. And plenty of work to do. He's called us to address the need for justice. And God cares about justice. And he's also called us to do it with grace and sensitivity. So that we don't leave a great big wake of destruction where we go. Long before Jesus was born, these words were given by God to the prophet Isaiah. And it was a compelling vision of what the future would look like. It would be a future where the God of the universe would take people literally by the hand. And through the mysterious work of the Holy Spirit, Jesus has made it possible for us to literally hold his hand, for, him, for us to hold Jesus' hand as we walk through this life. Because of what Jesus did for us on the cross, we are given a freedom from our imprisonment. The light of Jesus shines into our darkness. And now the question is, how will we bring that light into the world? Let us pray. Dear Jesus, we thank you for this message that has been preached for thousands of years. Long before you even came onto the face of this earth as a child and lived your life and died for us on the cross. And Lord, we pray that this message would not just pass us by, but it would penetrate our hearts and transform our lives for you. Lord, especially we pray right now for the people who are living in darkness, who are waiting, waiting in darkness, God. That means they're waiting for us to respond. Lord, we pray for the people in this neighborhood who are in the darkness of their living rooms, who are in the darkness of watching television today, not knowing that they could have deep community and conversation and friendship that would make their cups overflowing if they just knew that there was a wide open door here in this fellowship. Lord, we pray that we would have a zeal reaching out to people all over this city and all over this world, and that instead of leaving a wake of destruction, we could look back on the course of our lives and look back after we have accomplished the great tasks you've given us to do and see that beautiful things have taken place as a result. Lord, we thank you for all that you've done in our hearts and our minds and our souls, and we pray that you would give us the courage to step out in new ways today. pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.